Last week I spoke about the Davidic monarchy, how Jesus was setting it up <clears throat> with um, making Peter the master of the palace. Remember that the Davidic monarchy had three particular persons who, who really uh, took care of the kingdom. There, of course, was the king, uh, David himself, and then there was the master of the palace. That was, the king was gone, the master of the palace would take place of the palace, or take care of the, um, the palace. And then there was the, the king's mom, the queen, who had a big role also in the kingdom. When we look at Jesus reestablishing the Davidic monarchy, he established it as it was, but in a much greater way. As, as Jesus tells Peter this, and makes Peter the master of the palace, gives him the keys to the kingdom of heaven, what he binds on earth shall be bound in heaven, what he loose on earth shall be loose in heaven, Peter gets really excited. He's, he's got a big position in this monarchy. He's got a big position in the kingdom. He's rather excited. As anybody goes into or has a, a new experience in life and they get a new job or they're going to enter into a marriage, a lot of the, the thoughts that go through the person's mind is they think ahead. They, they reflect on what's going to happen. And, and that reflection oftentimes moves them towards the event, towards the marriage, towards... Uh, the new job, and they, they say yes to that. So Peter is all excited, and he has in his mind, we're going to overthrow those chief priests and scribes, we're going to overthrow the Roman Empire, all those people, those Pharisees that keep attacking Jesus, we're going to get rid of them, you know, and, or at least change them and show them who's boss, and he's just thinking all these things, that this is going to be amazing, we're going to reestablish the kingship. Jesus is king, and I'm the master of the palace. I'm sure all these things were going through Simon Peter's mind. And then as they're leaving Caesarea Philippi, after that conversation has just taken place, where Jesus made Peter master of the palace, they're walking along, and Jesus just teaches his disciples, as he always has, and he tells them what's going to happen. And he says, he says to them that he's going to go to Jerusalem, and in Jerusalem he's going to suffer greatly. He's going to suffer greatly from the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes. He's going to be killed. I don't know about you, that sure doesn't sound like the Davidic monarchy. Like what's, like Peter just has heard this, and Peter's like, okay, Jesus, he can't be having it right. Like there's something messed up here. Like the king is supposed to be in charge. The king is supposed to conquer his enemies. And now you go to Jerusalem, to all these people who, who are against you and they kill you? What does that say about me? So, like, uh, like we're all supposed to do when we don't like something about a person, we pull them aside. And Peter, away from all the other disciples, pulls Jesus aside and says, God forbid, Lord, no such thing shall ever happen to you. Peter has a plan for the kingdom. He wants it to be great. He wants it to be wonderful. And Jesus' plan for the kingdom sure does not match up with Peter's plan. So Peter corrects Jesus so that Jesus gets his plan correct and straightened out. And that's when Jesus says to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are an obstacle to me. You are thinking not as God does, but as human beings do. There was one part that, that Peter missed Jesus said what was going to happen, that he was going to go down to Jerusalem, the things that were going to happen, 
And Peter stopped listening at some point, like we all do. When something big, you know, happens that we don't like, we stop listening after we heard that big thing. and We don't listen to the rest of the story. There was something that Jesus told the disciples that Peter didn't hear. Let me read the first part of the gospel again. So Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer greatly from the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes, and be killed, and on the third day be raised. King David is still dead. His tomb is there in Jerusalem. Peter knows that. Peter thinks all the kings, all this, this happens to all the kings, and he doesn't hear that Jesus is going to rise from the dead. He doesn't hear those words. So Jesus, of course, as we know, goes to Jerusalem, he dies, and he rises from the dead, and therefore the church is established. All of us now are at Mass. We're able to come to Mass because of the kingdom of God. But Peter doesn't hear that, and Jesus corrects him then. You are thinking not as God does, but as human beings do. And then he continues speaking to the disciples. He says, whoever wishes to come after me must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Meaning you may have plans for your life. They may be good plans, but they don't always line up with God's plans. You've got to continue to listen to the Lord's voice. You have to hear all that he has to say. And then you'll know what the Lord's plan is for you. Whoever wishes to come after me must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. One must be selfless. One must be centered on the other. And Jesus continues, whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. The only way a war will ever be won for any, any culture, whether you're on the right side or the bad side, is if somebody is willing to give their life, willing to die for whatever value system they have. We all know that at the end, as Jesus continues, you know, when the Son of Man comes in his glory with all the angels, he's going to repay each according to his conduct. We know that at the end, everybody's going to receive their just desserts. But in the meantime, we realize that the only way one can win is if you're willing to die. And as Christians, we know that the only way we are going to win, like we ourselves, I personally, you personally, is if you're willing to die for what is right, for what is good, if you're willing to die for your marriage, willing to die for your children, willing to die for our Catholic faith, only then will you be on the winning side. Only if you take up your cross and follow Jesus you be able to be selfless, not selfish. I, I've talked about this multiple times at Mass, you know, that, that the Mass is a sacrifice. Jesus sacrifices himself for us. He gives himself to us. He offers himself to us so that we might have life. We have in, in all Catholic churches a crucifix up front that we can always look at the crucifix. We can see the death of Christ. We can see what's what Jesus has done for us, this offering. We, we, we have it always visually in our minds. We call that to mind, you know, day after day in our daily prayers, in our, 
in our own struggles when we want to be selfish, we, we turn to Jesus and we say, help me to be selfless. Help me to, to let go of my own wants, my own plans, and follow your plan. Of course, none of this makes sense unless we truly believe in the resurrection. That the one we see hanging on the cross, the one right now in the tabernacle, our God is alive. The human being, Jesus Christ, is risen from the dead. He's alive. And he gives us the strength to be Christians. He gives us the strength to carry out his plans. So we come to Mass and we offer ourselves, which goes to our second reading. St. Paul writing to the Romans and to all Christians, he says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, your spiritual worship. To offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. We don't understand in our culture what sacrifice truly means because we, we see it so little. But yet, we're drawn towards those people who offer themselves in sacrifice. They're willing to die for what is right. I think of the movie Braveheart. You know how, how um, I forget the guy's name now, as his wife is killed because they didn't follow the protocol for marriage. When his wife is killed, William Wallace is willing to die for his country, for his beloved Scotland. And he fights. He fights. Of course, we know that the battle is ultimately spiritual. That our fight is week to week, day to day. We're drawn towards this or that. That maybe, like most of the time, they're good things. But they distract us from our prayers. They distract us from giving our life to Christ. From offering ourselves as a living sacrifice. And then Paul continues, Do not conform yourselves to this age, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and pleasing and perfect. In order for our lives to change, our minds must first be renewed. And how we renew our minds is we watch what we're listening to, we watch what we're feeding ourselves, we watch what goes into our mind. And when more and more good things go into our mind, more and more good things come out in our actions. It's really amazing. So if you want to change your life, just watch what you're feeding yourself. If you're feeding yourself Facebook two hours a day, but you have one minute of prayer, okay, that might, that might say something. <laughs> but if one does the opposite, this whole town would be transformed. This city would be transformed. The whole world, if every Christian even just spent one hour before God every day, or even a half hour, or even five minutes, five minutes, praying every day for one's family, one's marriage, one's country, things would change rapidly. But the problem is, is we so often think about God and we don't do anything. We think God is distant. But of course we know that's the lie. That is Satan trying to distract us from the God's plan for us. God is not distant. He's right here. 
he offers himself to us that we might have life. So folks, at this Mass, let's, um, let's do that too. Let's, let's offer ourselves to our good God. Let's not be afraid. Let's um, allow him to fill our heart with peace, with clarity, and that as we go home this week, we may avoid those things which distract us from God, and we may truly pray every day with God first in our lives. Let's pray for that grace, folks.